welcome to the 1% Podcast. My name is Avi Wiswer, social media influencer and motivational speaker. Every week you will hear an inspiring message. We'll hear from a person that is on their journey to success. With each episode, I hope that you can take something valuable with you, become 1% better in your life. Thank you for stopping by and let the growth begin. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the 1% Podcast. This is episode five, and I'm here with another feature, Sumed Basani. Sumed, thank you for coming out today. I really appreciate you taking out time out of your day, out of your busy work schedule, work life. Um, if you want to, you know, explain, you know, your background and some of the things that you do, I'll give you the floor. Yeah, for sure, dude. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you taking the time to think of me. So um, I am a life coach. So what I mainly do is I work and consult with people in different areas in life, whether that's business, marketing, relationships, depression, anxiety, you name it, you know? So that's one thing I do outside of that. I'm just a very much so an entrepreneur. I own and operate a lot of businesses um, in the finance and marketing areas. So um, that's mainly me. There's not nothing too crazy. <laughs> uh, so the first question I did some, you know, with some research and, you know, obviously looking you up and, there was this one thing that, you know, kind of struck with me and it was the early life that, you know, you had the early struggles of life from moving from, I believe it was Maryland to New Jersey, uh, those, those early struggles and um, the impact that, you know, your father is not with us today. How did that impact you and what did you learn from that early experience? When I was younger, um, you know, I had a very good, like my parents loved each other, you know, uh, and they had a good relationship. We moved around a lot because my family struggled to get a footing in America. So when I moved here, the first thing my parents did was, was send me back overseas because they wanted to make sure that I had a stable place to come to. So they moved back, they moved back overseas. And then I came back again and yeah, it was Jersey to Maryland. So when I was, um, in, we lived in Jersey, we bought our first house, everything was wonderful, you know, um, but my father became ill and he passed away, you know, and it was really quick. Like it was within two weeks, like, and I didn't really understand it at the time. Cause I was a very young kid. It was difficult to process that happening. Whenever you lose somebody in life, whether it's, you know, someone that's very old or someone that's very young, it's always something that you just never expected. You know, regardless of the situation, we're just not used to seeing people pass away. So we had to move. We moved to Maryland. We moved to Baltimore, Maryland, and we moved in walking distance of the school I went to. And the school I went to was uh, the only public school in an area filled with private schools. So there's a lot of rich schools around us, but this public school had a lot of mixed people. You know, there's rich people, there was poor people. And so I lived in an area that wasn't so good. Um, it's called Cranbrook Road, you know, I remember it. And uh, we had an apartment there, but my mom was never home. She would travel a lot for work or not travel, but she'd be working a lot, right? Because she wanted to provide me the best life. So right when I lost my dad, I barely saw my mom right after that as well. So it was like, I was home all the time and my mom took care of me. Like she, she was a wonderful mother. She did as much as she could to like, make sure that I was good in every single way. But you know, it, it, it hurts you a lot as a child because you don't necessarily, you need that parental guidance. Just when someone goes away and passes away, you need someone to fill in that void and you need double the love from your mom to be like, Hey, it's okay. It's all right. I'm here. So it was really I wouldn't say, I mean, at the time it's traumatizing, but I'm happy all that stuff happened. So it really shaped my mind into number one, family is super important. I think that having a family, having structure is super important in your life. And uh, my mom had to work so much because 
my dad didn't have the life insurance policy that he needed. So we had to basically provide for ourselves and being financially stable was really important. It's oxygen. If you're raising money is oxygen. If you're raising a family, you know, you need to make sure your kids are good. So she definitely provided for me the best way she could. And I, I don't fault her for anything, but it was really difficult. That's interesting. So it, it must've made you had to grow up, you know, early. I feel like the, the early traumatic experiences that we have sometimes even the earlier, I don't want to say the better, but we cultivate this mindset of we need to grow up within ourselves. Obviously, you know, your mom was not there. So you had to be able to take care a little bit of yourself growing up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with this obviously brought maturity, brought growth, but did it affect any friendships, relationships uh, within your life at that time? Yeah, 100%. So um, I lost all my friends when I moved to from from Jersey to Maryland, which was for a kid that's very traumatic. That's like probably the most the detrimental thing that you can think of as a kid, but I became very angry. So I started getting into fights a lot. And, you know, half the time, you know, I would get in a fight and it would be after school. It was never in school because I was a good student in school, but outside of school, I would get into fights on my way back. And, you know, it was a bad neighborhood and it was just not good, you know, and these fights, like no one would see them too. It was like, it wasn't like a gang up fight. It was just like, I was just angry all the time. And I would, it, it changed a lot of my relationships because, you know, I, I buried myself in trying to be like, cool. I buried myself in trying to be surrounded by like the, the best people, you know, it, it sucks when you're young and like, you don't have a father there to watch you play a game or play a sport or support you or like a mother to be, you know, involved with the clubs or the activities that you're in. It's really difficult. So I, one of the diff, most difficult things was seeing families just operate normally. Mm. I got jealous, you know, I got envious and I never like did anything detrimental to anybody, but I would like look at these families that were so perfect, you know, and it wasn't even like I looked at their money or anything, but I just looked at the idea of them sitting down at the table, eating dinner together, somebody being involved somewhere, somebody being able to pick someone up. So it changed a lot of who I was. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So th throughout high school, obviously, you know, you graduated and then you went on to go to college. Mm -hmm. um, I remember seeing that the last year of your college, you actually had to, you were evicted from. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, that's just, you know, kind of hearing that, you know, coming up story where, you know, it, it was a constant struggle and then having to face this. Um, I feel like that early on experience created a little bit of a backbone and it, you know, kind of prepared you for this next, uh, I, I would say mountain because being, you know, homeless is not something that, I ever want to experience and I hope that I never have to experience, but what was, what was that like, you know, being homeless for a couple of months? Like what, what, is there anything that you may have learned from that experience? Dude, being homeless was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Just being completely real with you. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because it taught me how to basically understand what was important in life. So I've, I was used to being alone, being homeless itself wasn't so difficult for me because I was used to being by myself. So I did a couple of years at University of Maryland, and then I moved to Cleveland, um, Ohio to do some research there. And then I ended up going to Cleveland State University. I mean, I went to Cleveland State University. So while I was there, here's the messed up part, right? I, it was like Veterans Day or something. It was, uh, and my mom came by and she brought uh, the dog. We have a, a small dog and he's like 40 pounds. He's not, he's over the building limit, but he was only there for a day. The building owner happened to be there and she flipped out. Like she was like, you know, this, not that next thing, you know, we were kicked out of the apartment and it was really bad. 
And so it was difficult because I had to call up my lab partners who I barely knew at the time. Hey, this is what happened. And they were, they were really good people. I had two lab partners, really good people in my life, helped me kind of stay together. You know, um, there were certain nights I didn't have a place to go, but at the same time, once I got more in touch with them, they, they let me sleep eat at their place after, you know, I got my stuff together. So it was really difficult and it was in the winter, but the most difficult part of this whole situation was it wasn't the fact of being homeless. It wasn't not having money. It wasn't this. It was, I had a girlfriend at, a t- at the time and I found out basically that she was doing something behind my back mm-hmm. because I couldn't go stay at her place. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't go, you know, like you, let's say you have a girlfriend or something like that and, and you become homeless, like you can go and stay with them. So I couldn't necessarily do that. And you know, while someone was looking out for their next party or for what was cool, I was looking for like the next place I would stay. And these two friends that I had in my life really helped me because they were almost like co-parenting me in a way. They were they were making sure that I was good. And honestly, man, I realized then and there, like the important thing in life is to make sure that your, your bills are paid, that there's lights, you know, in the kitchen when and there's there's food in the fridge and there's that's the real difficulty in life. Just making sure there's food on the table, making sure that, you know, you have heat in the winter. That's like really what life's about. So when I look at all these first world problems, I'm grateful for them. Like, you know, my iPhone isn't working. My, my, my car's uh, heated seats aren't working really well. Like, you know, the gas prices are even up. Like you have a car, you know? Yeah. So it's all these things like gratitude. I think people need to hit rock bottom to really understand how to become stronger. You know what I mean? So it taught me about being more grateful, being more focused on what's important. And that's really that and my father's death really promoted me like, yo, I got to be successful and make sure that I'm financially stable because God forbid it. The reason I'm in this situation right now, the reason that I'm in this bad predicament is number one, because I don't have money. I don't have mm. a place where I can just go and snap my fingers and get an apartment, whatever it might be, you know? So that was really what it was. And it's, you know, a lot of people struggle with being alone, being in their thoughts, being, you know, especially after traumatic experiences, it sets them back and it kind of, they're not very reflective on, on things that may have happened in their life or, or trauma. And they kind of, you know, use coping mechanisms, but for you, it seems like, you know, success was the, was the only option and being able to go out there and grind and being able to go out there and, you know, put that forward is something that, you know, a lot of people I feel like should have, instead of trying to use coping mechanisms or things along those lines, they should focus on how can I make this a positive outcome within a negative situation? And that seems exactly what you did. hundred mm-hmm, percent. I think that, I think a lot of times people get so caught up in the victim mentality of like, this is not going for me. Things are not going well. I'm losing this, that, and third friends, money, whatever. And they don't realize like with everything that you lose is a lesson. There's a lesson embedded in there. Success is a terrible teacher. Like if you're winning in life, no matter what, you're just going to sit there and be complete. It creates that complacency, that stagnation, you know, but when you're losing, when things aren't going well, what happens is the mind starts to open up. It starts to say, look, whatever we're doing is not working. Whatever our programming is right now, it's not, it's not giving us the results that we want. So let's start trying new things. So whenever people go through periods of pain and trauma or they're losing something in life, it's like double down on the work, double down on what you need to do because you can't get more by doing less. You know, and in the victim mentality, we want to just sit there and just be sympathized with, be, you know, we want people to be empathetic towards us, but you know. Life, I think pain and suffering is a wonderful thing if you really use it the right way. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing if you allow people go through heartbreaks. I know you speak on this a lot, you know, and what you do to motivate people. But 
I think the biggest thing that people need to understand is that everything doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. There's a saying out there. So that's really important to take away from the whole experience that I had. Absolutely. And, you know, just kind of to, to touch on that subject a little bit, I think about all the great people in the world right now, there was a point in time where losing was something that they continuously saw. Uh, you know, obviously somebody that I really look up to is LeBron, you know, growing up, he was homeless, didn't have things that he might've wanted to had, or another person I look up to is, you know, Gary V. he didn't, his career didn't really jumpstart until 30, 32. So it's like all these periods of suffering really do in the end, create that positive outcome. Obviously, if you know, if you're staying to it, if you're being consistent and being able to put in the work within that time frame and accepting loss and taking it to the chin, you're obviously going to learn a lot of lessons within that time period. Um, as well as what I also saw is that you worked at a nightclub and you, you saw a lot of businessmen, a lot of influential people. Uh, you even, you know, spoke about that you saw athletes. Did this decision affect you to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, hundred percent. So I saw a lot of, I worked at this nightclub because, because I was in a financial situation, like coming from a good family, like coming from a very strict conservative Brown family, we don't normally just run and say, Hey, I want to be a bartender. I want to be a nightclub. So I found this job because I was working at the gym and I didn't just didn't have enough money. And so a buddy of mine that worked at the gym was like, Hey, look, I can get you in. And, uh, you know, the first day I was there, like I, I made, I helped, I, like, I was doing everything. I, my work ethic was just above everybody else's. So it was like, you know, they love me and being there was like, so eye opening because you see a lot of these successful people come in because they spend thousands of dollars on bottles of alcohol. Right. So the mindset is crazy, you know, and these celebrities, these athletes, these, these amazing people come in and you get to network to a degree that's just unreal, you know? So I remember seeing a lot of young guys come in and spend a lot of money. And a lot of times there was their, uh, their parents, you know, their, their, you know, they would come in and spend a lot of money. And I remember seeing a group of them that would come in and spend thousands a night. And I'm like, mm. what do these guys do? And they're <laughs> like, we make our money financial services. And I'm like, there's no way you guys are making $200,000 a year. And if they were, they would still be spending irresponsibly, which they were spending irresponsibly for the amount of income that they had. Right. Right. If you're making $200,000 a year, you still can't go spend $3,000, $4,000 a week on bottles. It's if you add the numbers up, it just, just hemorrhages yeah. your income. Right. But mm -hmm. for them, they were young and I saw what they did and they did uh, insurance. And I realized like, Oh my God, this is it. And so it showed me like, look, I don't need to be a big doctor or this or that. There's a whole world of opportunity in business where I can create that financial stability for myself. And just like you said, like LeBron went through a tough childhood because unstable income, his mom, you know, he talks about it where I think his mom's name is Gloria, where she had, real difficulty raising her son because of an unstable income. And Gary V also, you know, the big, he grinded his twenties. That's what he always talks about. Throw your twenties away. That's the biggest thing I also talk about as well. And Gary V has a different approach on it than I do, but basically similar message where it's like your twenties, most people don't overcome that financial hurdle. And most people go through life without overcoming that financial hurdle. And they bring kids into this world and they bring all these different things into their life. And they right. never actually solve the core problem of just being financially stable, you know? And it's not like you need to be a multimillionaire. It's just the small things like the double guac and the, the double chicken and the guac on the burrito. <laughs> that, that's what it is. It's the small things that make the difference in your life. It's getting 
toilet paper and not worrying about, you know, you're buying it in bulk to save money. See, right. actually, the funny thing is when you're doing very well, you're able to make financial decisions that make more sense for you. You're able to cook at home. You're able to do all these things like real poverty. They don't have kitchens. They don't have the resources to just get on their feet. You know, real, real poverty, like homelessness, they're buying stuff from the convenience store for a dollar fifty for two bucks when they could have access to drinking tap water or just, you know, they could buy it in bulk, but they don't have that, those resources to store and keep things. So I think that seeing these successful people come in, talking to them, seeing that business could, you know, get you when you're, you, I always thought that celebrities and, and athletes were like the top of the food chain, but no businessmen are businessmen control the world. There is a guy that pays LeBron. There is right. a guy that, that does this. So that's the guy I wanted to be. I want to be the guy that pays LeBron. I don't need to be LeBron. I want to be the guy that pays him so I can make sure I'm number one, providing for him and getting that value and also providing for a larger scheme of, you know, the community. I think you saw a spectrum of the, the double side coin where you were able to see them throwing money away and you were also able to gain knowledge and gain, you know, information from them. So obviously you saw what not to do and you saw exactly how they made the money and what they choose to invest their money on. And, you know, you talked about life insurance and I feel like it, Obviously, with your, your your father passing at a very young age, I feel like that was something that I don't want. I don't know if it would. I would say destiny, but it's something that obviously resonated with you a lot because you know may, having your own life insurance business is something. Now you seeing this at a very young age, now you're able to provide that. Oh, you know, this is what happened because we didn't have life insurance. So now mm-hmm. I want to be able to create it so this doesn't happen to another individual. Hundred percent. It is. It is like you know, a good story, I guess you could say, because yeah, like I would have life insurance. Most people look at like, especially young people, they look at life insurance. Like I'll get that when I'm old, but the reality is life insurance is the cheapest when you're young and nothing is promised. My dad died at 46 years old. It was very young. And you you understand, like, it's not normal the way he passed away. It was just, nothing was wrong. And so you got to understand that like motor vehicle accidents are the third largest killer of people in, in the United States, right? People get in their cars every single day, don't think of anything. But if I were to tell you, yo, that's the number three thing that's gonna probably kill you, you would be like, that's kind of weird, but people don't understand. People get married every single day, you know, and in relationships as well, 55% divorce rate. You know, people don't right. think, if I told you you were gonna do something and it was a 55% chance you would fail and just completely ruin your life, you probably wouldn't do it. So I look at like life, that, that death opened up a lot of things for me. It made me realize like tomorrow is not promised today is here. And, and and you can take negativity from that as well. You can say, Oh, if tomorrow is not promised, let's like live it up. Like the whole saying YOLO. It's like, no, prepare, like prepare. Don't just throw your life away. Do something meaningful today. Like I definitely did see that. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, my father, like if it wasn't for my father dying and for all the things that I went through, I would not be anywhere near as successful as I am today. And while I'm not necessarily wishing that circumstance on somebody else, Right. I am grateful for the lessons that I learned from it because it helps you become a better person. Absolutely. Wow. That's uh, that's a lot. And it's just like looking at the story and looking who you are now, obviously insane growth, you know, insane success. Um, but what were some of the struggles within that time period that you created that business or the entrepreneurship? What, what are some struggles that, you know, people don't see behind the scenes, but, you know, obviously they see the, the success. One thing that people don't necessarily see when you start a business, when you're doing anything, is the amount of work that goes in the back end, right? You're never an overnight success, but people people don't support you when you're starting a business, right? 
people don't want to support you, but when you're big and when you're doing things, they're like, yeah, man, like what's up? I've known him since this, that, and the third. That's one thing. Finding quality people to help you. Because one thing about business is that you have to have people. You have to delegate in order to elevate. You have to. Mm. So you have to find good people that are in your circle that will stay with you and that will grow with you. And, you know, it's like a one in a hundred thing that I've realized. Like there's one person out of every hundred that I hire that's really like there, you know? So instead of being detrimental about it and being like 99 people don't like me or that will stab me in the back and stuff. I just got to say, look, every one out of a hundred people I hire, every hundred people I hire, and I look at it, like, who do I have from this hundred? You know, right. those are the numbers I've done. And so it's difficult to start a business because, you know, number one, businesses need oxygen, right? Like, or not oxygen. Businesses need money. Sorry. Money. They need money. Money's oxygen in business. So um, they need money and you start a business because you want to make money. So it's like a chicken and egg scenario where it's like, how can you make a business uh, make money for you as quickly as possible so that you don't bleed yourself out? Right. So that's one of the biggest things too. And then taking on the responsibility of all the failures. I failed many, 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 many times. Like I am a failure in, a, in more senses than I am a successor, but my successes are the ones that are showing now. But with any guy that tries to start a business or any girl that tries to start a business, you have to fail first and you right. have to fail forward. So that's one of the biggest things that people don't talk about is like their failures. People don't see that. People don't understand like how many times I sat in my room, just like, is it worth it? I don't know. And like the amount of sleep I lost and the inability for me to miss, I missed out on weddings. I missed out on birthdays. I missed out on those weekends out with your friends that you made memories I missed out on things that I thought were so, so, so important to me. But now the more you give up, the more I'm, I gave up partying. Now I get invited to better parties, mm. I gave up sleep. Now I can sleep in more, you know, whenever you give up for success is you get more of that in the future. So I think it's very important to understand whatever you give up, when you give up eating unhealthy, you get more health in the future. You know, so every single category. So I had to sacrifice in a lot of areas that a normal young 20 year old would not want to sacrifice. And that was really the most difficult thing when I was working, when I was waking up early, I would see girls lying on the beach, like even today, like, it's funny, I'll tell you this, one of the most depressing times or not the depressing, but like, they're, they're, it's the most unhappy time, I guess you could say, slightly is summer for me. Because summer is when everyone's out partying, drinking, having fun, all that. And I'm locked in and working. I'm on my grind. And that's what it's, it's difficult sometimes because you see people, I go on Snapchat, I go on Instagram, by the pool, vacationing, drinking, grilling, this, that. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm not saying that's, that's lame. I'm not saying that's, that's not good. But it makes me feel like, man, I'm so locked in and I'm working. That's why, you know, people get seasonal depression in the winter. Yeah. Sometimes I feel more positive in the winter. <laughs> Cause I'm like, look at everyone working. I'm working. Like we're all working. Like it's good. Like I feel normal again. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's more or less, you know, when you, when you're locked in during the summertime and you're able to reflect on the winter, you know what I mean? You're able to reflect that because you stayed the course, because you were able to stay, you know, the mindset that you had was laser sharp. Now in the winter, you could be able to go, I don't want to say chill out, but you could be able to take a step back because you were able to stay locked in in a period of time where there's extreme distractions, you know, obviously going out to, to parties, going out to, you know, the beach, whatever. And a lot of the time, and you kind of touched on it a little bit with the, with the twenties, you know, I'm obviously in my early twenties, but to me, I'd rather sacrifice those times out and those, you know, those late nights coming back, then maybe, you know, I could have stayed up that night and watching a podcast. I could have stayed up 
and read a book. I could have stayed up and did something that will now benefit me in the future because I took that short term. I don't even want to say loss because I took that short term. Uh, I guess I'll say loss. I'll take that short term loss that will now create a better future for me. That will now create a better line that I could be able to go through success. And I think that, that that's the problem now is that a lot of people don't want to sacrifice these times. They want to be able to go, Oh, you know, go out, enjoy the, the college life, go out, enjoy that, go out, enjoy, you know, doing these things that society would normalize. But instead, if you can sacrifice your twenties, you know, in your thirties and your forties, now you could be able to live out the life that you've always wanted to live. Go, go to vacations, go maybe take your family somewhere that you have never gone before. And it's just being able to take that 20s to the chin just those 10 years maybe even 15 to just now set up the rest of your life and I think a lot of times people don't want to accept that and they rather just you know get so indulged with let me live my life as a young age 100 and like I'll speak on you specifically you have a lot of success in your career right now it's fragile though it's like a newborn baby it needs attention constantly yeah and so as a result you can't afford to go and do these things because then it'll starve, it'll start to regress. And it's like, you've been given an opportunity, you can't afford to sit on it and just be lazy about it. And that's the thing, like, a lot of people, they don't, you have this, this platform, and with your TikTok and everything that you're doing with your social media, that's amazing. But some people don't have that, but they still have an opportunity. When you're young, right, your mind, your body, your spirit is operating at a level that is you're not going to get it for the rest of your life. Like really mm -hmm. your 20s are, I wouldn't want to say your peak, but you're physically operating at a high level. You, I explain something to you, oh, you get it immediately. I explain a new app to you, you get it immediately. Like technology comes out, you, oh yeah, I understand it. That's the thing. You're able to adapt to a high degree. So when you're young, you're able to do things that other people aren't, like you can't go crank out a 12 hour shift as easily as if you were in your 21s than to than 31s. And I tell people like, if you think it's hard getting up at 6 a.m., 5 a.m. right now, it's gonna be way harder when you're 35, 34, whatever it might be. And as you get older, your body slows down, your understanding slows down, you start to detach in the world. I would say, especially for women in a lot of senses too, like with women, you know, they're unable to really like keep it going because like your your ability to, um, to one second, one second. Oh, I appreciate it. You can just. Sorry about that. No, 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 don't worry about it. So when you're young, right? When you're in your 20s, you're able to crank out more work. You're able to do more because ultimately at the end of the day, you don't have, you have more physical stamina. You have more mental stamina. You're more emotionally there. So people will sacrifice their youth. And I, and I was talking about this, like where women will do this too. They'll, they'll be like, Hey, look, like, I want to live. I want to party. I want to this. I want to that. And they find themselves 35, 36, 37. I deal with so many clients in the consulting space where they're like, I wasted my young years on partying, on drinking, and just hanging out with guys that didn't give me value, hanging out with friends that didn't really build me, mm. hanging out, not building my business, not building my mindset up. Like people think that you got time to grow when you're, when you're 35, 45. That's not it though. And it's, you, you see that the, Obviously, you've seen this with the entrepreneurship, but just anything that you're really going after, you have to sacrifice a lot of friendships. You have to sacrifice a lot of relationships. Like if that person, I would even say if you, it, you have a schedule and if that person is not able to accept that schedule, embrace that schedule, obviously, you know, they don't have to drop everything. But at the end of the day, you want to be able to 
be around people that are going to support what you're doing and understand, yo, I'm busy right now. I'm not able to come to this. I'm not able to do that. And it's, you have to be very, very picky and be with an understanding people or understanding person in order to understand that, yo, I'm, I'm grinding right now. Like we can either, we can either, you know, chase this together or I could just chase this by myself. And I feel like that's a very hard reality to face. Mm-hmm. And some people call it lonely. You know, the, the, the journey to success is extremely lonely because it's just you and a couple other like-minded people and people that, you know, obviously you attract along the way on this journey, which to me is not lonely. It's just setting you up to be around the better people that now you can now have and create a better space for you, create a better space for your future. And honestly would align with where you are going in life. See, the thing is when you want to be, if you're working in any high income field, it requires isolation, right? High income fields, what I've noticed a lot of times they require isolation. Even insurance requires isolation. You're writing insurance apps and policies. That isolation is required because you need focus. If you want to be successful, you have to be focused. It's difficult to be focused with a lot of people. It's difficult to be focused at a party, at an event, at a social gathering. So you have to cut these things out. And when you're young, (laughs) hey man, let's spend some time together. Oh man, I'm working. And like, you know, people that are, sometimes it's offensive to people. Sometimes like yeah. people take it the wrong way. Sometimes people are like, dude, you don't have five minutes for me. You can't just drink a beer with me. You can't just do this with me. It's like, no, man, I'm on my grind. I'm trying to create a life for myself. The real ones will be like, I understand, man. I'll see you. We'll leave. We'll pick up the conversation where we left off. Right. Right. But it's tough to find those people unless they really are in the same industry. So a lot of people that foster success at a young age, they end up focusing on a friend group that is doing the same things that they're doing. So they hang around like-minded individuals, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's good to diversify your friend groups and find those people that are like, you know, I'm a realtor and he's a, he's a plumber or I'm um, a financial guy and he's, you know, doing something legal. It's difficult to find those things because, you know, when you're a lawyer, for example, it's good to hang around other lawyers because they understand what you're going through and they, they can kind of resonate with it. They, they understand the, 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 the work behind it, but right. they won't understand the stuff I'm doing with insurance. Yeah. I think one of the most difficult things, and, and I, I guess I'll ask you this too. It's like, how many friends, right? Do you hang out with consistently on a weekly basis? How many people are you surrounding yourself with? And it's like, I honestly, for me, it's like not many, yeah. like it's very few. It's, it's like one, maybe, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, for me, I obviously moved from my hometown to here. So for me, it's, you know, obviously my, my, my friend, Matthew, you know, that's in the call with us right now. I hang around with him a lot because, you know, we share the same interest with weightlifting, you know, so we, we, we go in the gym and then obviously, you know, he's interested in photo and videography and I'm, I'm interested in, you know, doing podcasting. So it kind of intertwines, but in terms of like real, people that I'm able to, you know, see on a day-to-day basis. It's not, it's not very many, you know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of just me just going through it. And it's, it's a process that, you know, you're in your head a lot, you know, obviously, you know, I try to spend present time in my head and I try to, you know, put my time with how do I want to envision this or manifesting this, or just kind of just being able to live in my head about thoughts, about ideas, about things that I now want to embark on. So it's not very many. And, you know, obviously with giving up partying and not really doing all that, it's now it's even, even less. So for me, at least probably just like you, maybe one or two people that I see, you know, consistently and 
it's a tough reality to face, but I understand that in the end that it will be beneficial to me and my journey and my success. That's the thing. Like when you have success, it's easy to make friends. Right. So you got to so, give up a little bit. You got to give up a little so bit. So easy. It's very easy to make friends when you're successful. And you see, you and Matt have a mutualistic relationship. So it's like, you know, I'm not saying it's not a genuine friendship, but also you guys overlap in ways. Right. So this is the thing I'm trying to say is like, I probably hang out with, even like the people that I hang out with, they still overlap with me in business. It's not like he does this and he does that. And uh, we're completely separate. We still, the people I hang out with, we do business together. You know, right. we do things together. You know, there's, there's some mutualism there. So yeah, it's, it's difficult. I think the biggest thing that if you're young and you're successful and you're, you're even here listening to this, right. One of the biggest things that you can do to be successful is to isolate yourself in a healthy way. Right. You know, elevation requires isolation. Elevation requires separation from things that are not bringing you value. Absolutely. So that's Absolutely. the, that's one of the most difficult things that people. And I also think tying back to what I said earlier with everything that I went through, I was able to isolate very easily because I was alone for most of my life. So it wasn't right. hard for me to be, I never had like, oh, I'm lonely. I'm this, I'm that. Like, obviously I had the craving, like, man, maybe I need a girlfriend. Like when I was working and stuff like that, maybe I need to hang around with more people. I definitely had that. But at the same time, it was like, I was so used to just being alone. Right. It didn't matter to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say even with my uh, circle at home, uh, you know, the obviously people that are, that are that are on a mission trying to better themselves. And to me, you don't have to do try to do the grand things that that I'm trying to do. But as long as you're on that mission, as long as you're going towards success, as long as you're going to this, I don't even want to say utopia, but this vision for yourself, to be honest, that's all you could really ask for instead of hanging around people that, you know, are not really providing that for themselves. With that being said, why do you think so many people are looking to be entrepreneurs today? Because I, I know it's a very trendy thing going on right now. Why do you think people are going towards this field? People want freedom and money in theory equals freedom. Like you make money, you have more free time. The process of making money is constricting. It locks you down. You have to go do something for somebody else in order to get something that you want to be able to do what you want to do entrepreneurship is almost like doing something in freedom. Like the work itself is very freedom based and you're still creating more freedom for yourself because there's money being created. Why would you not want to do something that is completely aligned with your goals and your vision from day one? And that makes you money for your goals and visions even more. That's why entrepreneurship is attractive. However, even though like the, the industry is saturated because there's so many people trying to enter the space, but there's also so many few, there's so few people that actually have the work ethic to dominate in this industry that, and I feel like it's attractive because naturally, like, you know, people want to feel important. People want to brand themselves. People want to put their name on everything because it makes them feel it feeds the ego, you know, and what they don't realize is it's quicker sometimes to do things, you know, um, without people involved it's quicker to do things with with by giving up a little bit and and sharing a common goal with people and compromising on certain things same thing with relationships and friendships it's better to compromise you cannot always have things your way in life and it's like you can have it your way when you have control of the situation and you've built that respect and that 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 grounding but it's not something that you should start off with so i think entrepreneurship is very difficult you know there's there's over like it's like over 90% of entrepreneurships fail, like entrepreneurs fail in, in the like in business. And I think like it's 50% of businesses fail within their first year. It's crazy. The statistics are wild. And um, I think people should really pay attention to their work ethic first and the success rate of their industry, and then kind of combine those two and apply what do I need or how successful can I be before jumping into something that might seem attractive.
it seems like entrepreneurship fits you well because the your outlook on hard work and you know you're a very determined person so entrepreneurship looked like it was right in your your alleyway just because the amount of you put towards your goals the amount of that you are willing to give up in order to create that it looked like entrepreneurship is is really just something that was made for you yeah i um i definitely think it was something that called to me you know i was supposed to be a doctor but now i'm kind of full entrepreneur mode but you know i i definitely uh think it's a good thing but i think that a lot of people can be entrepreneurs even if they don't want to be you know like if they don't think they are you can be an entrepreneur in your own way you know and I know that you, you know, you've been on the social media platform as well with your with your podcast, mm-hmm. Thoughtcast. What inspired it? What have you learned from it? And how do you want to take this to the next level? I love Thoughtcast, man. And uh, it was inspired by just trying to help people. I actually started talking about random stuff in the beginning. But now what I'm trying to grow to and get to is uh, throwing live events, throwing events that benefit people. So we're throwing our first one January 30th here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. But these events are bringing people that are high qualified, highly qualified speakers, social networking, philanthropy, charity, all that above, you know, it's, um, it's, it's crazy, you know. I was actually, if, you know, I was able to make it, I would have loved to, you know, attend because I saw the, the, the great people that you had that are coming on and just to being able to network, you know, and obviously those events are extremely good for network. And I will say next, next year, if you host another one, I will absolutely be in attendance be there, sure. where, wherever it, wherever it is at. And hopefully, you know, obviously we can look on this journey and, you know, just have a conversation about how far we came. I have a final three questions that I want to ask you. And these are kind of like rapid fire. Okay. What advice would you give to your younger self? Man, that was tough. Um, spend more time with family. Like, try to get more time with family, loved ones. Okay. What is a quote that you live by daily? Mm, it is what it is. That's that's. <laughs> it is a bad quote, probably, but it is what it is. Like, I I live by that. And if you could have one person that you can have a conversation with, dead or alive, who would it be? Um, obviously, I would pick my father. I mean, that was an easy one, but dead or alive, I mean. Honestly, I would like to have a conversation with Gandhi, right? And also, mm. maybe, but but it wouldn't be like, oh, like you're so amazing. I would be like, because there was a lot of situations I feel like he was taken advantage of by being peaceful. So I feel like I would ask him, like, did you think, did you know what was right when things were going? Like, how did you know? What if they just turned up on you? Like, that would be the mindset I would ask these questions in. Gandhi is a great guy. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you for coming on here. I really appreciate you having taking out time out your day to just you know spend some time with me have some good conversation i really do appreciate you for everybody listening thank you guys for tuning in thank you guys for showing love thank you guys for showing appreciation this is the one percent podcast make sure you are growing today thank you guys and i'm out